Good morning. We have two readings this morning. First from John chapter 20, starting at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Second reading this morning is back in the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, And you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. 
So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone, we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Well, good morning. Let me uh, add my welcome to that of Ben's. Um, and especially if you're, you're new or visiting us today, and I haven't met you, my name's Jono. Um, it's an old joke, if I have met you, my name's still Jono. Um, just say, for the, sake of, for the benefit of those who haven't met me, my name is Jono. There you go, that's better. Uh, please keep uh, your Bibles open at uh, that passage in Ezekiel, and uh, I'm going to pray for us again as we come to reflect on the significance of this day. Let's, uh, will you join me in prayer? Our Father, we do thank and praise you for this day. We thank you for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And we uh, pray for us now as we consider the significance of that. And we ask that you would speak to us through your word, that you would shape us and change us. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it would be fair to say that uh, increasingly Christianity is mar- being marginalised in the Western world. And, and yet it's interesting that uh, Easter still seems to be pretty popular um, I guess for many people, the meaning of Easter has, has shifted from uh, being about remembering Jesus' death and resurrection to celebrating chocolate bunnies and Easter egg hunts and, uh, and especially a four-day long, long weekend. And, and how good is a four-day long, long weekend? In fact, uh, this year, if you take a four days leave together with Anzac Day, you end up with an 11-day uh, break. So I'm sure there are many people um, making the most of that. Uh, for many people, Easter is a time of, of holidays. It is a time of get-togethers with friends and family and, and good times and eating too much chocolate and that sort of thing. Uh, Easter is something to look forward to. And uh, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to a, a, a getaway this, this coming week with family after having our family getaways cancelled or, or, or um, postponed for a couple of years. It certainly is something to look forward to. Easter is a time of hope. I wonder what it is for you. I wonder this morning, uh, what is it that you're looking forward to, that you're hoping for? Maybe you've got plans for the coming week. Uh, Maybe you've got holidays. Maybe you've got get-togethers with with friends, with families, or, or, or various things that are going on in this time. I want to say this morning that bigger than a four-day long, long weekend, bigger than get-togethers with friends and families, bigger than holidays or whatever else it is that we're looking forward to, I want to say Easter is a time of profound hope. 
Because the resurrection of Jesus, which, which we remember and celebrate today, that makes all the difference in the world. And that brings us real, profound hope. I want to show us uh, this from the Scriptures, from a, an unusual part of the Bible, at least unusual for an Easter Sunday sermon. We're going to look at that passage that Mark read for us from Ezekiel chapter 37. You know, Ezekiel was uh, an Old Testament prophet of Israel. And he spoke to Israel amongst a really hopeless time, hopeless circumstances. God's people had rebelled against him. And so he'd allowed them to be invaded, to be defeated, taken captive to Babylon. Their nation was destroyed. And God spoke these words through his prophet Ezekiel, these words of hope. He gave Ezekiel a vision of a valley of dry bones. Look there in verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. I don't know if you can picture that. It's a confronting image. Devastating, perhaps even traumatizing, this valley full of dry bones. It's a picture of death, of destruction, of devastation. Hope is gone. God asks Ezekiel, verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? Now put yourself in Ezekiel's shoes at that point. I think if I was him, I'd... I'd I'd be thinking, uh, no, sorry, I don't think so. I think they've had their time. It's, they're dead and gone. Uh, Ezekiel might have been thinking that, but he wisely recognised God's sovereign knowledge and his sovereign power. As he says in verse 3, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. It's kind of hedging his bets here. Now, Perhaps the Lord was testing Ezekiel's faith with this question. Perhaps as, as we look at parts of this world or maybe parts of our lives where we see death and devastation and disaster, we might ask the same question, can these bones live? Can life come out of death? Well, the Lord's answer is yes. That's what's going to happen. Verse 4 then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Now you've got to admit, this is pretty strange. Ezekiel is told to talk to these bones. But more than that, through him, God is going to talk to the bones. The sovereign Lord says, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Then in the next verse, I will put breath in you and you will come to life. It's kind of like a new creation all over again. Uh, I mentioned on Friday uh, the in the creation of man, in Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and 
breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. It's got echoes of that here as, as Ezekiel, in Ezekiel, through Ezekiel, God is going to speak a, a, a recreation as he, as he puts breath into these dead bones, as he brings them to life again. And so Ezekiel did, as he was told. He says, verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. There's this miraculous restoration, bones, tendons, flesh, skin come together, but it's, it's incomplete. There's, there's no breath in them, there's no life. And so Ezekiel is told to prophesy a second time, verse 9, that he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. This time, Ezekiel is to speak to the breath. Notice before he spoke to the bones themselves, but now he's addressing the breath. That is, the breath or life is going to come to them from outside of them. He's going to bring them to life. So verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. It's a powerful vision, isn't it? The, the, the defeated people of God, dead, destroyed, a valley of dry bones. From that to, to, to then being resurrected, recreated and brought to new life. It's a powerful vision. But what does it mean? Well, the Lord then gives the meaning of this vision. Verse 11, And he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Hope is gone. I mean, the situation in Israel at this point would have, would have seemed completely hopeless. They're, they're suffering in a foreign country, cut off from their home without hope, like a, a valley of dry bones. Their situation is just a picture of, of death and despair. But God speaks into their despair and he speaks a word of profound hope, of profound transformation. He says there, verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Notice a few things here. Notice, firstly, he addresses them as my people. I mean, despite their, their waywardness, their rebellion, he still cares for them as his people. He calls them my people twice in verse 12 and verse 13. Secondly, he says he's going to, to resurrect them as his people, to restore them to life in the land of Israel. As a nation, they're, they're defeated, they're dead, they're, they're living in exile in a foreign land. 
But the sovereign Lord is going to raise them up once again to to live as his people in the land of Israel. And so great is this transformation that he he speaks of it as as a resurrection, as a coming up from the grave. Thirdly, notice verse 14, the Lord will put his spirit in them and they will live. It's interesting, in in Hebrew, the original language this was written in, the word for breath, the word for for wind, the word for spirit, they're, they're all the same word. Wind, breath, spirit. The Lord will put his, his spirit, his, his breath in them and they will live. New life, empowered by his spirit, will, will come to them, will transform them from death to life. And the end result of this is this, this transformation will mean that, that they will know that he is the Lord. Now, Ezekiel spoke these words uh, to the people of Israel around 580 BC. And about 50 years later, this prophecy was was fulfilled in part as miraculously a remnant of the people of Israel were, were brought out of captivity in Babylon. They returned to Israel to be God's people once again. It was a, a resurrection of God's people. And yet that fulfillment was only partial. That was a shadow of the reality that this prophecy pointed forward to. The reality which was fulfilled that first Easter Sunday when the Sovereign Lord opened the grave of the one truly faithful remnant of God's people, the true Israel, the Lord Jesus himself. The Lord opened his grave and empowered by his spirit brought him up from it raised to new resurrected life. In the face of death, defeat, devastation, despair, where where hope was gone, the Sovereign Lord brought victory over death, brought new life and profound hope. Ezekiel's vision, that valley of dry bones, it finds its fulfilment in Christ's resurrection that first Easter. But through him, it also can find its fulfilment in us. That we are, if you like, like that, those dry bones. Without Christ, we're described in Ephesians 2 as being dead in our transgressions and sins. Spiritually dead. Separate from Christ. Without hope, without God in the world. Spiritually, without Christ, we, we're, we're like those lifeless, dry bones scattered on the floor of the valley. Can these bones live? Praise be to God, we can. The Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because Jesus has died for our sins, as we remembered on Good Friday, he breathed his last for us. Because he has been resurrected to new life, through him and his resurrection, we can have new life. We can have new birth, like beginning life again. 
Both now and, and beyond this world, we have a resurrection to look forward to. To a time where our lowly bodies, with their frailty, with their increasing brokenness, and I'm sure some of you are very conscious of that, our lowly bodies will be transformed to be like his glorious body, as Paul says in Philippians 3. That transformation, that sure and certain hope, that is ours through Jesus. That first Easter, um, Jesus visited his frightened followers in that, uh, that locked room where he appeared and said, peace be with you. And then he commissioned them and, and sent them out. Uh, John 20, that passage Mark read for us, it's, it's kind of John's version of the Great Commission. And as Jesus commissioned his disciples, he also empowered them with his spirit. It says in John 20, verse 22, And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ, the, the breath of Christ, brought them to life and empowered them to live for him. And the same promise is true for us. Now, we're obviously not the 11 apostles. We haven't been given the same job that they have in the same sense. But as Peter said some 40 days later on the day of Pentecost to the crowds gathered in Jerusalem, he said, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That first Easter was for Jesus time to breathe again as he was raised from death to resurrected life. And for all who put their trust in him, Easter is a time for us to, to breathe again or if you like to breathe anew with the new life that Jesus brings. Equipped, mm, empowered. I don't have an answer for that. Is there something... Wow. Wow. <laughs> you don't have an answer for that, Siri? <laughs> Jesus does. <laughs> Easter is a time for us to breathe again. Equipped by Jesus, empowered by him, by his spirit, which he breathes into us as his people, as he raises us from the dead. And so I guess my question for you this morning, friends, is, are you dead or alive? I mean, as I look out on you, you all look pretty much alive. Some of you might be nodding off, uh, but I think you're still alive, physically you know, I can't look into your hearts and see where you are spiritually before God. And whilst I expect that many or most here this morning have experienced the beginning of that new birth, that spiritual resurrection of being forgiven before God, of being raised to new life spiritually, I expect that many or most of you have experienced that, that you are walking with Christ and living for him. 
But that may not be the case for all of you. And, and I want to say, if, if that's not the case for you, maybe you realise that, wow, you, you are dead in your sins. You, you have been living your own way in defiance of God. Perhaps you realise that and, and you, actually, you want to change. You want to accept the free gift of forgiveness and hope that Jesus brings that he brings through his resurrection from the dead. I want to say, if that's you, praise God, because he's at work in you, bringing you to new life. Praise him and allow yourself to be brought to that new life. Allow God to give you the new birth into that living hope. How do you do that? Ask God for forgiveness. Put your trust in him and seek to follow him as you live your life. See him transform you from being like dry, dead bones to being alive with God, empowered by his spirit. And for everyone and and anyone who has been made alive spiritually with Christ, the implication for us this Easter is is simple yet profound. That is to, to live out the new life that Christ has given you. Live out the new life that he's given you. If you want to think about, well, what does that look like? What does that mean? Can I suggest you have a read of Colossians 3 later, Colossians chapter 3, and and reflect on that. But in case you you can't wait till then, I'll give you the summary. In short, it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your heart, set your mind on his kingdom, not on the things of this world. Put to death the, the, the things of your sinful nature, get rid of them. And keep growing in the new life that he has given you. Live out that new life. Let me encourage you to have a read of Colossians 3 later on. Use some of the the four-day long, long weekend that you've been given to to reflect on that and on what living that new life will mean for you. As I said, that first Easter was for Jesus' time to breathe again. To breathe again in glorious resurrected life. And through him, we too can breathe again in that same life. We have new birth, new life, real certain hope, both now and forever. Praise God, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Let's pray. Lord God, almighty, our our loving Heavenly Father, we do indeed thank and praise you for your great mercy in giving us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Father, I pray for any here this morning who as yet have not put their trust in, in Jesus and received forgiveness and new life. Father, please breathe your spirit into them Move them to receive Jesus as their Saviour and Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you that because of Jesus, we have real, certain, profound hope. We have new life now and for eternity. And Father, we pray that you would empower us to live out that new life, to set our heart, our mind on your kingdom to put to death the things of our sinful nature 
and to grow in the new life that you have given us. We ask, we ask you to work this in us in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.